Welcome back to another episode of the Real Talk on Women's Health podcast with Essentia Health. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Andrea Lays, a gynecologist at Essentia Health. Thank you for being here. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So we are talking today about perimenopause, and I just don't even know what that is. I don't even know if I've ever heard about it. So for those that don't know, um, what is perimenopause? Well, perimenopause is the time in our lives where we transition from having regular, predictable monthly periods to official menopause, which is when we stop having periods altogether. So perimenopause is just this ambiguous term that says that transition from every month to never again. For some people, it happens in their 30s. For some people, it happens in their 40s. For some people, it lasts for six months. For some people, it lasts for six years. It's variable. But ultimately what it is, is we recognize that our cycles are changing, our bodies are changing, how we feel is changing, and we know there's something on the horizon. That's perimenopause. So is perimenopause like, I don't want to say painful, but you know, menopause has a lot of symptoms that women often complain about rightfully. So does perimenopause have those characteristics as well? Absolutely. So typically women in perimenopause will experience symptoms like irregular periods. Instead of having a regular once a month cycle, you may start skipping cycles. You may go several months between periods, or maybe your cycles start coming more frequently. Maybe you're having a period every two weeks. When you get a period, it might last longer than your typical five or seven days. It might last two weeks or three weeks. The flow might be very heavy or the flow might be really light and spotty and just won't go away. Also during that time, you may start having some hot flashes or some night sweats, or you might feel like your mood is maybe just a little bit more irritable than it was before. You just start to feel different. Well, it looks like um, I have a lot to look forward to (laughs) when uh, that comes. (laughs) What kind of things influence like how long it lasts and the symptoms? Is that genetic by any chance or is it just kind of vary from person to person? You know, I think there's a lot of factors that go into that, but genetics probably plays the biggest role. Um, I'm sure also our lifestyles play a role as well. You know, for those of us that stay active and are able to exercise regularly, several studies have shown that those patients tend to have fewer symptoms during both perimenopause and menopause because those are a treatment for some of the symptoms we experience. You know, one of the big symptoms that I hear patients talk about, including myself, is poor sleep during this time. You know, if you're feeling hot at night or you're waking up sweaty or you're having some insomnia, you're just having trouble falling asleep, man, that just sets your whole day in a bad way. Um, And then you're more irritable and then you're exhausted through the day and then you get to experience another night with poor sleep. So I think it kind of snowballs um, and exercise has been shown to help relieve some of those symptoms. If we can stay active, we're going to be more tired. We're going to have more restful sleep. Um, So I think that actually is a big component. I think our diets make a big difference too. Eating a healthy diet definitely is helpful for helping have the right building blocks that we need to build the hormones that we need and things like that. So you just talked about sleep and, you know, getting a bad night's sleep and also things like maybe your period is irregular, but some of those things can also be other problems you might be having. So how can we tell between perimenopause and maybe uh, something else, a different type of condition? You know, that's a great question. Um, Perimenopause is a diagnosis of exclusion. What that means is we've evaluated you for all the other things we think it could be. And those things have all been found to not be there. So then we say, well, it has to be perimenopause. So it's really important. If you're having symptoms of abnormal periods, you 
really should see a gynecologist to be evaluated. It may be something totally physiologic and totally normal and part of your journey into menopause, and that's okay. But uterine cancer can present this way. Cervical cancer can prevent present this way. Uterine fibroids or other things that can cause period concerns can present with similar symptoms. And so as a gynecologist, when I see someone come to me with these period concerns, I typically will evaluate with some lab testing. We'll do some ultrasound exams. I may need to do a biopsy of the lining of the uterus to check that out, make sure there's no sign of cancer, things like that. Obviously, making sure you're up to date on your routine screening, like pap testing and things like that is important as well. But if all of that workup comes back and looks okay, then that's when I say with confidence, you know, I think this is just your normal journey. Now, having that normal journey doesn't mean you have to live with those symptoms. We can talk about how to make it more comfortable to do that transition, but it's helpful to know that nothing scary is going on. And so with perimenopause, I guess I'm curious because hormones and everything, those are such a big part of the makeup of women and they can have um, an impact on basically everything that you do. So how do you approach like evaluating a patient's overall health during perimenopause? Because obviously if they think they might be going through it and you come across something else, like I feel like there's just so many different things that you have to take into consideration. You're absolutely right. There are so many things to take into consideration. Hormone testing, um, I think can be a bit of a Pandora's box, so to speak. Hormone testing can help us in women who are struggling to get pregnant. We can use hormone testing to see if there's a potential reason why that would be or what is their potential if we were to give medications. Are they able to have a conception with that extra assistance? That's a very good place for hormone testing. It can also be helpful in women who had to have a hysterectomy at a younger age, so they stopped having periods, but they still have their ovaries in place and still have that ovarian function. We can use hormone testing to see if they are in fact in menopause or not. The kicker is there's no great hormone testing for perimenopause because those hormones are released in such a pulsatile fashion. What that means is sometimes you get a big burst. Other times you don't have very much and it's really variable throughout the cycle. So it's really hard to throw the dart at and say, well, what's a normal hormone level. So testing estrogen and progesterone during that perimenopause transition really isn't that helpful clinically. I listen more to the symptoms about it. And when we talk about overall health, making sure that there's nothing else going on, like growths in the uterus, like fibroids that could cause period problems, like a mental health concern, like untreated anxiety or depression, like a thyroid condition. Um, Say your thyroid's underactive, that can certainly affect your mood and your cycles and things like that. So ruling out those things, once we know that it's probably just a physiological change like perimenopause is, then it's more looking at what are your specific symptoms and what therapies do we have to support you and help you live your best and healthiest life. Are there any less commonly known symptoms about perimenopause that you don't see too often, but you have seen before that might help you realize or help somebody realize that they're going through it? You know, one of the symptoms that I hear about is brain fog. That's become a term that I've heard more and more in the last few years. It's certainly more common in full-on menopause, which is again, no periods for at least one year. But I do think that starts to happen during that perimenopause transition where it seems like simple words just aren't coming to you or you used to be really able to stay organized and on top of everything. Now you find yourself slipping and forgetting things and having to make a list. And if I use my common sense hat to think about why that is, I look too at the sleep disturbances that happen with perimenopause. If we're not getting restorative, restful sleep, our brain isn't going to be at its best. And if we're, if our mood is more anxious and elevated and irritable, 
irritable, we're also not at our best. And so I don't know specifically that perimenopause causes a problem with the brain not processing, but I think it's the symptoms of perimenopause that make it harder for us to multitask and juggle the 10,000 things that we all juggle every day. Yeah, I feel that just in my life now. Like just if I get a bad night's sleep, nothing gets done and I am just very crabby and everyone kind of keeps their distance because they know. So um, if somebody comes to you and they realize they have perimenopause, how do you treat that? Can you treat perimenopause? Oh, absolutely. So for a lot of patients, we find that going on a hormone regimen like a birth control pill or some type of estrogen and progesterone supplement can be really helpful at just leveling things off and helping stave off those hot flushes, those night sweats, that mood irritability, the poor sleep that you can have, certainly the period concerns. Some patients specifically will have just period concerns. And maybe for those patients targeting that symptom with um, a hormone containing intrauterine device or a surgical procedure called endometrial ablation or even hysterectomy to remove the uterus, sometimes that can be really helpful for patients. It isn't just like, well, let's just take out all my parts and then I'm going to go on pills. We really try to use that as a last resort, focusing specifically on what are your specific symptoms and how can we target that. Sometimes I also will use medications like antidepressant medicines or anti-anxiety medicines. Sometimes that can be really helpful for some of the mood changes that are happening during perimenopause. Some patients find help with certain nerve medications like gabapentin can be helpful for some of the um, symptoms that can be associated with this. So it's a really um, patient-specific treatment. The best advice I can give you is if you feel like you're struggling with these symptoms, talk to your gynecologist because you may be surprised how much we can help. It sounds like there's a bunch of different treatments depending on like what your worst symptom is. Like I'm shocked that there's so many different ways that you can kind of treat perimenopause. Absolutely. So you kind of touched on this, but do you recommend hormone therapy? And if you do, how do you consider making that recommendation for somebody per se? I think hormone therapy is very beneficial for a lot of patients. That being said, it isn't a carte blanche. Everybody should be on it. There are definitely specific situations where you should avoid hormone therapy. Um, one of those situations is if you are a smoker. We know that patients who um, are exposed to nicotine, tobacco smoke are at higher risk for complications like heart attack and stroke. And estrogen may potentiate those risks. So evaluating for simple contraindications such as that. If you're somebody who has untreated high blood pressure, maybe going on hormones isn't the right thing. Maybe we need to treat that high blood, high blood pressure first and get things under control. So um, I think hormones got a bad rap when the Women's Health Initiative study came out in the early 2000s. It used to be commonplace for if a patient was experiencing any kind of symptoms that might be related to menopause or the transition to their to that journey, they would just get put on hormones and no questions asked. And then a, around 2000, 2001, a big study came out with thousands and thousands of patients and showed that hormones increase your risk for heart attacks, stroke, breast cancer, blood clots. And all of a sudden, everyone's being taken off their hormones. Well, now that pendulum is swinging back. And what we're learning is, gosh, a lot of those women's lost out on the benefits of hormones. And maybe we wouldn't have had as much heart attack. We wouldn't have had as much dementia in, in women had we been using hormones in the right patient. So I think where we are right now is trying to identify the right hormone treatment for the right patient. Um, so for me, what that is, is finding a patient that doesn't have any untreated health conditions that could contribute to heart attack or stroke and making sure that those are treated first. If I have a patient who's got well-controlled high, high blood pressure and she's suffering with symptoms of perimenopause, absolutely. 
I'm going to recommend hormone therapy as an option for her. I think it's all about a discussion of your personalized risks and benefits for hormone therapy. I can tell you, I personally, I'm in my 40s. I'm on my journey to menopause. And I went to my gynecologist and said, hey, here's what I'm dealing with. My periods are terrible. I'm having terrible headaches. I'm getting a headache with the start of my period and it lasts for five days and I'm having trouble functioning. What can we do? And the right answer for me was hormone therapy. So I found a regimen that I'm comfortable with and I feel safe using. So even a physician needs to remember that we have to get in and get help too. So I think the bottom line is always just ask your gynecologist. I think there's more that we can do than what you realize. I always feel like doctors, they have all the answers for themselves. You know, (laughs) like I thought maybe you would just treat yourself and you know what (laughs) you have to do, but nope, I sought help. (laughs) So, okay. So that should, um, that should inspire people to also get help. So we talked about if you smoke, obviously that lifestyle change of quitting smoking, you have high blood pressure, you deal with that. But for people that maybe are in good health, what are some lifestyle changes or just like self-care measures that somebody that is going through perimenopause can take? That's a great question. I think number one is get good sleep. I think we've, we've hit that nail several times. Have good sleep hygiene. Try to go to bed at the same time every night. Try to wake up at the same time every day. Try not to watch TV in your bedroom. All of those things that you've already heard about that we all got into bad habits about. I think another one is avoiding alcohol right before bed. Um, I know it's easy to slip in the habit. I'm just going to have a glass of wine, but studies have shown, well, that may help you fall asleep. It definitely can disrupt the quality of your sleep. So that that's something that can be really helpful. Eating a well-balanced, healthy diet is really important to keep your immune system functioning, to keep your energy levels up. I think that's very helpful in perimenopause. Obviously, exercises we've talked about before. I think exercise has been shown in many studies to increase our endorphins, which is our natural feel-good hormones. And I think um, any of us could use a little extra endorphins in our life. So I think exercise is very important as well. Um, As far as other things that you can do besides the things that we already know we need to be doing, I think it's all about making time to have self-care. I think it's very easy for women, especially busy women who are juggling so many things. Sometimes you need to take a moment and say, you know what, I am going to go get that massage or I am going to take that weekend with the girls to go do this or I am going to take 10 minutes to just meditate in my bedroom. It's really hard to find that time for self-care, but we need to do that. I'm here with Dr. Andrea Lays, gynecologist at Essentia Health. We are talking about perimenopause. We're going to go ahead and pause our conversation right here and come back for a special part two of this episode because it's such an interesting topic. I still have so many more questions about perimenopause. So stay tuned for part two of my conversation with Dr. Andrea Lays coming very, very soon. And in the meantime, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Real Talk on Women's Health podcast with Essentia Health.